Welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm your host, Dave, joined by my fellow co-host, longtime friend and virtual drinking buddy, Chris. Also joining us this week is our audio engineer, Kamal. Kamal is a longtime friend and fellow drinking buddy. The three of us have a strong friendship going back decades. We have decades of gaming experience across a variety of gaming genres and have in the past couple years shared a deep appreciation for factory and automation games. We'll start off today by talking about our first bottleneck, what's in the glass. Chris, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm drinking a Gram Turismo from 8-Bit Ale Works out in Avondale, Arizona. It's a Graham Cracker Brown Ale with cinnamon added to it. So he actually stuffs the beer with actual Graham Crackers. And yeah, it's got slightly sweet, very obviously bready flavors to it, but overall a delicious beer. What about you, Kamal? I've got a glass of Writer's Tears Irish Whiskey, uh, which is one I've never had before, and I'm really enjoying it. Very nice. What are you drinking tonight, Dave? I am drinking a Kugel's Chocolate Dunkel, which I had never had before. It's a lager with cacao nibs and natural chocolate flavors. It's a little bit too sweet and chocolatey for my liking, unfortunately. It's it's okay, but I probably would not seek it out again. Yeah, those are always good for the first two or three sips, and then it gets to be a little much. Yep. Right? Hard to drink more than one in a, in a night. Yeah, chocolate belongs in a dark beer, not in a lager. For current events and news in the factory and automation genre, uh, in terms of notable patches, Satisfactory released Update 7 to the Experimental Branch. Uh, It's got some interesting changes, most prominently the limited blueprinting capability. It has a Tier 4 building that you can create that lets you build a limited size blueprint within the building, and then you have that sort of as another building you can build out of your inventory. Um, My favorite non-blueprint themed change in this is a few new modes for creatures where you can set them to be passive, where they just don't attack you at all, or uh, where they just only attack you if you attack them. Um, I'm always a fan of being able to reduce annoyances like combat in games like this when really you should just be making the factory grow. Why bother with fighting creatures? I'm a huge, big fan of the uh, blueprinting capability coming. So I'm going to have to log on to the experimental branch and check that out. That's something I've been harping on since I think update four. That it was definitely needed that they bring that in. You know, even if it's just, uh, you know, not a massive area, but being able to duplicate, uh, you know, even a limited factory so you can copy it down is, is so needed. Yeah, I was seeing some of the things people were posting on like Reddit. Uh, of what they were blueprinting. Some of them, it was amazing how much they could fit into the tiny space that you have. Some of it was just things like, you know, I keep building these pillars to support my roads or trains, and I have to rebuild it every time. Well, now I don't have to anymore. So they can look good and be a lot easier to build. So, yeah, definitely a huge improvement. And then in other factory game news, Captain of Industry released a Captain's Diary about the first major update that they have planned for the second quarter of 2023. As far as what they provided to us so far, there's going to be lar- uh, going to be pretty big graphical improvements. They sneak peeked some of it on their site, and a lot of the textures are being updated. They also gave feedback that 
players wanted to know if they could dump different materials in different areas. And they said it's actually a technical limitation, but they're looking at refactoring some of the code there to allow the players to dump some of the different waste materials, like the stone, the gravel, into different areas so you can collect them. And then they're also introducing, uh, or they're exploring rather, uh, a map editor. While it's not going to be full procedurally generated, it'll be a tool that the players can generate their own maps. So looking forward to that as well. That should help with replayability. You know, maybe they'll be able to do some map sharing once players create their own custom maps. You know, hopefully we see that come down the pipe. Yeah, I'm sure people will create some awesome maps. And uh, even if they don't provide a way to share them, I'm sure they'll figure something out. People always do. Tectonica had their demo up on Steam for a while, but they just removed that. They said that the game has moved pretty far from the state that it was in the demo. And there were some issues with the demo that they wanted to be able to update, but they didn't want to dedicate the time to updating that older version of the game and want to just focus on actually changing the early access release of the game, which they're moving towards. Um, I don't think they have a firm release date yet still, but relatively soon. Um, also, it's been a long time since our last recording, so there were a few other notes from Tectonica as well, including a very welcome change to the storage containers. Instead of having storage containers be this three by three by three giants with only one opening on each side, that was very annoying for automation. They will instead have a two by two by two storage container with two openings on each side. So instead of a huge one with only four openings, they have a smaller one with eight opening. That'll be a huge improvement. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to the storage containers. Um, I was one of the people that as soon as the demo came out, I played the entire thing to the end within a single night. Right. I was so addicted to it. It's it's going to be a phenomenal game when it's released. And I remember trying to use the storage containers as like, as like a buffer chest, right? So when you're overflowing an item, instead of it just stopping that line, you, you collect the extras and then output them later. But it led to some really wonky uh, conveyor belt placement because, you know, the only output could be on the side of the box instead of um, on the same side. So I'm looking forward to the two by two, and it doesn't take up as much room either. It was kind of a pretty large building for what it did. And definitely looking forward to that. And Tectonica in general, I think we've said it several times. Can't wait to get into it. Definitely. And then the Mechanica dev announced that he is halting development on the game after an eight-month hiatus with no communication. So it sounds like the end of another project. Yeah, it's too bad. It showed some promise for sure, but sounds like it was just a little too much work for one person and he wasn't able to support himself and continue working on it. Always sad, but... There are plenty of good factory games now, so. So this week, we're going to highlight a game we've talked about in the past. We're going to dive back into Factorio. The theme around this week's episode, though, is we're talking about alternate ways or, I guess, new ways of playing Factorio to keep it fresh. Obviously, Factorio is just that good of a game that you can keep replaying it, and there's plenty of ways to play it, and there's new mods. And as of recently, it was just released on the Switch. So Dave's going to dive into it today, talking about his experience playing it on the Switch. And then I've been playing the Space Exploration mod pretty heavily lately. So I'm going to jump in and give some notes on what I think about the Space Exploration mod. So Dave, why don't you take it away? 
All right, so Factorio on the Switch. The first thing I thought when I heard that it was coming out was how the hell are they going to do those controls? It definitely turned out better than I expected, but not as well as I hoped it would. Um, So the first thing I'll say is that Unlike a fair number of people, I do most of my Switch gaming with it docked using a pro controller sitting on my recliner looking at my TV from pretty far away. That is not the ideal way to play this game for sure. It's not terrible, but it's hard to control and the UI is a little hard to see. There's a lot of, lot of small writing in Factorio, so it's not perfect. It's definitely still playable that way, but it's not the greatest. But in the past few days, I've tried to make a concentrated effort to play it undocked a fair bit of the time. And that is actually much better in this case. It became obvious that while you can pretty much do everything with the controller, it's really intended to be used with the touchscreen readily available. So some of the more difficult button combinations or more awkward navigations don't need to be used as much. One big example of this is the technology screen. When you're going through picking a technology, if you've just got the cursor and you're um, you're flipping through everything on the screen using the left uh, the left joystick, there's so much stuff. There's all the text you need to select. There's all the things that your technology is going to research. There's the whole tree on the right. It's just it's really awkward to navigate. But if you've got the touch screen, you can just like click on the screen wherever you're looking, wherever you want to hit, and it'll hit that. And there's a start research button on that screen, which you don't even really pay attention to when you're on the PC. But on a switch, you realize that you actually need to press that start research button to start your research instead of just sort of leaving the screen on the research uh, that you picked. And it's hard to navigate to that button when you're playing it on the switch with the controller. Um, another example is if you're crafting an inventory, you've got this big list of things. The more you've researched, the more things you have to build, and the more things you have to scroll through if you're using the joysticks. But again, if you've just got the touch screen, you can just click on it and you're good. And I suppose um, now that I've seen how well they use the touch screen, that's probably why they went with a Switch adaptation of the game rather than trying to do a different, more powerful console that might be able to handle your factory a little better or handle a big factory better. And on that note, I haven't really gotten to the point where my factory is all that big yet, so I haven't run into any major performance issues, but it does already lag pretty significantly when it autosaves, even though I've just gotten to blue science. So that's a a bit of a minus, and I'm worried about how it's going to look when my factory keeps getting bigger. Yeah, I'm curious if you're going to have to uh, just keep the scale of it down, right? No more mega bases, maybe not even big main buses, right? You're going to have to keep it fairly small just to keep the UPS down. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Definitely looking forward to following you as you as you get into the bigger factory. Yep. And then another pain point is the lack of modding. So Nintendo protects their software very thoroughly. That Everything's got to be carefully reviewed by their review board before it can be on Switch. So they don't really allow any games to have any kind of modding because they can't monitor the community content the same way. Um, Obviously, if you jailbreak your Switch, and uh, then you can use mods, but I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, it could void your warranty, break your console, get you in trouble, all that. So not recommended. I won't be doing that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's annoying that I can't like play space exploration with Chris right now, but it's also really annoying to not have any of the quality of life mods like LTN. Yeah, and even... Yeah, 
I think that'd be one of the biggest annoyances for me is, you know, all my blueprints I have are based on LTN. I mean, I, for the most part, play vanilla, right? Except the LTN mod. And I have a couple other quality of life, but it's nothing game changing. But, boy, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could play it without LTN. That's almost a requirement for me to play it nowadays. Yeah. And, 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 and I do get it in based on how much effort the developer went through just to get it ported over. I can imagine the introduction of mods isn't just a, a Nintendo thing. It's just the, the supportability of the mods. Like what kind of changes did he have to make to the base code just to get it to run on the switch and then to support mods on top of that. It's like, yeah, that's a, you know, that's just a big undertaking at that point. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And then another uh, peeve I have is that, you know, combat is always something I've been bad at in Factorio as well as most other games. Uh, but my terribleness is even more magnified by the switch. It's really hard to throw grenades without a mouse. Auto targeting seems to behave a little weirdly. Sometimes when a target dies, it doesn't find another target or something else runs in front of me. Things things get a little weird sometimes. I still haven't quite wrapped my head around exactly how it works. And just, I don't know what it is about the buttons, but it's just, it takes me an extra second to react and figure out what I want to do when I have a controller rather than mouse and keyboard. So maybe some of that is just my brain, but I, I'm not doing great in combat. And then the interface is just, you know, it's a little bit bulkier. It's a little bit harder to navigate. And my favorite strategy with Factorio combat is creeping turrets towards a biter nest. And that's just made so much harder by the way that the, the interface works for building and inserting the uh, the ammunition into the turrets is the real key. And I, I don't have that mod that I can't even remember the name of that lets me automatically uh, add add ammo. Fill for me, just I by think. pressing one button. Yeah, fill for me. That's right. It's much harder. Yeah, I was I was wondering about the combat aspects, especially if you get to you know larger waves coming at you in the mid to late game, right? Or trying to expand your base. I would assume Death World has got to be almost impossible to play on a switch at this point yeah i mean i can't you know, even just, imagine yeah, that's interesting maybe if you're I, really I good at end up going defenses. peaceful yeah, yeah i mean i guess but <laughs> or maybe once you get logistics bots going right might be yeah, a little bit easier that, that takes a while exactly yeah yeah i did just unlock defenders and i'm hoping that makes it a little bit easier to deal with biter nest but yeah i i i started a rail world so they're not expanding towards me and I turn the base size down a little bit, the the nest size down a little bit, and it's still like half the time when I attack a, a nest, I end up dying. Oof. Always save before I fight. Maybe not half the time, but more than I expect, more than I would on PC. Right. And then as I explore around, so I, I started a rail world because trains are awesome, and I, I wanted the the lack of expansion without having to actually manually go in and set the setting because who does that? But early game, when you're exploring, you're driving the car around most of the time and driving it absolutely drives me insane on the switch. Um, you know, I used to be able to drive around a biter nest firing at it from the car and I'd be able to escape unscathed when I'm playing in PC. But on switch, I can barely drive around a rock without crashing the car. I actually had to fa- fire up Factorio on the PC to check if I was crazy or if they had changed it. And they definitely changed it. On the PC, when you're using the arrow keys, the up arrow drives the car forward, left and right turn it, and back brakes. That 
seems very logical to me. It's natural to me. But on the Switch, the car moves in the direction you tilt the control stick. It's not like if you push forward, the car goes forward. It's if you're facing right and you push right, then it starts going to the right. And then you use up and down to start turning it. I guess it might make sense to the kind of people that have the GPS reorient itself so that forward is always up. But I'm the kind of person that has to drive uh, with my GPS showing north up and anything else drives me crazy, including how the car drives on Switch Factorio. Yeah, and the game, the what is it? W is accelerate, right? S is yeah. brake. A is yeah. counterclockwise. D is clockwise. And that's just what it is, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. You get used to driving in that way. But so you're actually saying you have to, you're sitting there actually, you have to you basically just point it in the direction you want to go. And hopefully yes. it goes that way. But, but if you want to break and you have to do it perfectly backwards, or it's not going to break right, right? It's going Pretty to much, break yeah. and turn. Or, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's sounds yeah, a little it's, wonky. It's infuriating. Yeah. And I, I searched <laughs> and searched in the settings, and there was no way to change that control. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. And uh, my last major complaint, I've done a lot of complaining so far, but my last big one is that uh, a lot of the button buttons that are automatically bound are pretty hard to manage. So like uh, the the cool feature that they have is the L button quick bar. So when you press the L trigger, the L button, which is different than the left trigger, uh, it works really well. You get this pop up where it has uh, eight items around a, a blank spot in the middle and you move your left uh, your left joystick in the direction of the item you want to select, release L and you've selected that button that uh, whatever was in that direction. Um, I am a little disappointed that they didn't use the neutral stick position for a ninth item on each. I think that would have been the smart thing to do and would have made it a lot easier to select a lot of things. But I can see why they would want you to be able to quit the screen without selecting anything if you accidentally hit it. Um, But when you're using this quick bar, if you want to clear an item from one of those eight slots, then you have to, while holding down L, press the left trigger, the right trigger, and Y just to clear a single a single spot in your quick bar. My fingers hurt just thinking about how that works. Um, and then the other control issue I have sometimes, it's less of a problem on the normal switch controller when you have it handheld, but on the pro controller especially, the arrow buttons are all connected instead of being four separate buttons like on the normal controller. And it's very easy to accidentally hit left or right as well as up or down. So when you're trying to hit one of them, you can hit two of them very easily. And left and right rotate belts, even belts that are on the ground that you have selected. And down is used to pick things up, and up is used to turn on alt mode, which should just always be on. And I should probably just unbind that key altogether. Um, so when you are trying to pick things up off a belt, say, you can accidentally rotate the belt you're pointing at and if you're trying to pick something up off your main ba- main bus, you can completely destroy your main bus and make it so that something's not flowing through anywhere. Uh, it's really infuriating. It's like, oh, why do I not have any iron plates going anywhere? Oh, right. I flipped this one little uh, conveyor belt way back there. Even worse, you could mix belts in a main bus yes. and trying yep. to clean up uh, trying to clean up that snafu sometimes is uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. So, you know, the good news is that you can remap everything because, you know, it is Factorio and they like to make everything as flexible as possible. 
so I could change those if I wanted. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. And, you know, there are just so many buttons you need to use that it's hard to think of what combinations aren't currently in use that you can remap things to. So that was a lot of complaining, almost all of it around the controls. You might be wondering if there's good stuff, too. Well, it is still, in fact, Factorio. So the game is still amazing. I haven't gotten to bots and blueprints yet on my Switch game, but I imagine they're going to make life a lot easier when I'm building things. The control scheme does certainly have redeeming features. Uh, One special, uh, one of my favorite things about it is that you can press B when you have anything on the map selected, and it will turn that thing into the active building, basically. So if I want to build more, uh, more smelters, more furnaces, I can hover over a smelter, a furnace. You can hover over a furnace, press B, and then now I can build that same item, more furnaces. I can just go ahead and build a line of those and then go back and click B on an inserter and build a bunch of inserters and then go to a belt, etc. Just using B doesn't copy the recipes, but there's also, you know, there's the the right trigger plus Y or A, do the copy paste there. Um, and it's really not that hard to do. And then you also have the the right and left trigger uh, plus A and Y and X do things like moving all or half or one stack between inventories into buildings and such. And that did not take very long to get the hang of. Those, those are all great features of Factorio that definitely persisted. Yeah, that's one of... Uh... It's one of the items that's going to land on my tips and tricks page when I get around to compiling it is it sounds like B is basically Q in the desktop version, right? Yeah. Just yep. hover over, hit Q. And yeah, a lot of people forget that Q's there. And I, I honestly didn't really know it existed on PC. Yeah. Yeah. You just hit Q. So Q also cancels if you're, yeah, I knew if you're that. building something, right? But if and you hover over something, hit Q again, yeah, it'll it'll bring that item up to be built. So definitely a tip and trick I'm going to add. And I'll make sure I mention that B on the Switch also does the same thing. Yep. That'll, uh, that'll improve my PC game as well. Exciting. Um, the UI is a little bit small, like I mentioned, especially if you're sitting in a chair far away from a TV. But it can be resized. The small screen on the handheld means you can't see as much of your factory as you might like, especially if you have a huge monitor that you're used to. But you get used to it, and you can zoom in and out pretty easily. I just want to be the first one to say that it doesn't sound like uh, it's a UI issue. It sounds like you have too small of a TV and it's time to upgrade, Dave. Come on, man. That's true. <laughs> you need that uh, big only, 85 inch, right? I think it's only 52 inches. So yeah, it'd be bigger. Um, but overall, you know, I, I've I've talked a lot about the UI and the controls because that's really all that's changed from Factorio. The the game, the core game, is still exactly the same, and it's still incredible. Um, my final conclusion for Factorio on the Switch is that it is definitely the best way to get my factory game fix when I'm traveling or otherwise unable to sit down at my computer. It's better than the Autonaut Switch adaptation, which is good, but um, still not, not, not as polished of a game as Factorio. Um, but anytime I am home and can sit at my computer... I'm probably going to end up playing Factorio on or DSP on my PC instead of playing Factorio on the Switch. But it was definitely worth it to me to pay another $30 to have Factorio available to play on the go and still have fun with it wherever I take it. Yeah, it's pretty 
pretty much what I've heard too with the folks that have uh, both the Switch and the PC version is they definitely like it. It's good to play on the go. They could take it with them. They're not, you know, especially people with kids, right? They're not bound to playing in front of the PC. They could take it with them. They're watching young young ones and whatnot. So, I mean, overall, I, I, I can't wait to buy it on the wife's Switch. So the next vacation we go on, I'll be able to take it with me as well. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think they... I think the best part is they kept the game, right? They didn't change anything in the game. It's just porting it over. So that was a lot about Factorio on the Switch. Now, Chris, you've been playing with Space Exploration. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sounds good, Dave. Yeah, so, you know, I've heard a lot about the Space Exploration mod. Saw some other videos on it. You know, looked interesting, thought I would give it a try, just get a, you know, a fresh experience with the game. And yeah, first impressions right off the bat, all I could say is, wow. Um, what I mean by that is there is so much new content that it adds. The recipes change. Um, there's new buildings and just how expansive it is, right? So you're no longer playing a novice, which is the planet that you're locked to and your goal is to launch a rocket. You know, a space exploration, your goal is to build a spaceship, get it up to basically warp speed and hold that warp speed for, I think, 600 seconds. And, you know, once you get to that point, then you've, uh, you know, beat space exploration mod. Um, for seasoned Factorio players, you know, the reports are you're going to spend well over 100 hours to complete the game. Um, compare that to the vanilla game where if you know what you're doing, you know, you can have a rocket launched in eight to 10 hours. Usually, usually I think the world record right now is sitting under an hour and a half. So just to put it into perspective, how much more content, you know, how much more complicated it is, the addition of, you know, being able to build in space on spaceships to visit other planets, the interplanetary shipping that you can do, right? It just, just really adds a lot of new content, makes things fresh. Um, just, it's a big mod. <laughs> so I think I'm 13 hours in and I'm only four research packs and, you know, I only have the first four research packs completed. Um, one of the big things with the mod is they add a lot of new buildings to it. Uh, there's a lot more burner options in the beginning. So there's a burner lab, there's a burner assembler building, there's a burner power plant that you just have to feed fuels into it. And it works. You don't have to set up like a, a boiler and then the the uh, the uh, steam generator, right? Um, you don't have to worry about water as a secondary ingredient into it either. You just burn it. Now it's not super efficient by any means, but it's really good to get you up and running with the electricity early on without having to worry about finding water nearby or having to do big big power poles from your water source to get power over where the rest of the factory is. So. It's really nice. And later on, you could use those buildings as sinks, right? You can dump your waste into them to help burn off some of the items you tend to collect, like wood. Um, early on, I really didn't recognize the scope of the buildable elements in it, right? The amount of buildings they added. So, uh, and also the number of intermediate items that they added to the game, right? So you don't just have engines anymore. There's a small single cylinder engine and there's a multi-cylinder engine, right? There's multiple variants of this now instead of an electric motor there's a small electric motor and a large electric motor and it just adds to the complexity and you know i started out i had my smelter stacks like 
a lot of people do and kind of had that mini main bus that you have going on in an early factory. And, you know, with all the different intermediates that they added, next thing I know, I got this massive spaghetti factory going on where, oh, I need to build this intermediate. So I stuck it over here and piped it back to the main bus this way. And, you know, I have belts going every which way just because I didn't know what I was dealing with and didn't make the best these design choices right off the bat. But it looks pretty cool right now. So, you know, it's not too bad. And that's kind of one of the biggest challenges of space exploration mod so far is the recipe changes and the addition of the new recipes and the new intermediates. First big challenge, none of my blueprints work, right? None of those items, even something simple like green science, you know, you just need to build the basic uh, yellow belts and yellow inserters, then you can make green science, right? Well, in order to make inserters now, you have to make small cylinder engines to feed into them in order for them to work, right? So that entire, even down to the simplest of the science blueprints that I have, they're all they're all different now. So um, not being able to plop those down and follow your blueprints that you spent years, you know, developing, those are all out the window. But it's a fresh challenge. It's basically like playing a brand new game that that you're uh, just getting in- introduced to. Yeah, I uh, I must say I, I fired up space exploration once when I had like a half hour I was going to be able to play. And I took one list at the one look at the list of recipes and all the burner stuff that I usually totally skip over, and I just noped right out of there. I was like, "This is not the time for me to <laughs> four hours safely started if I'm going to do it." Yeah, and but one nice thing is, you know, early on, and I don't know if you do this, but like in the in the vanilla game, when I do um, the steam boilers, right, I usually use burners for those right off the bat. So that they could fuel themselves, yeah, fuel the plants. And smart they're fast do. enough early on, right? That way, if your power goes out, hopefully it doesn't. Just get some coal onto the belt, and it'll fire itself back up. There's no like spin up time. Well, yep. Um, you know, in the space exploration mod, there's a lot of burner things now, and a lot of things use it. And um, but unlike vanilla, where once you're done with the burner item, you don't use it anymore. It just sits in a box, and you fill it up and then shoot it and it blows up or something like a lot of people do, or you let your your logistics network trash it somewhere in some random storage box. Well, in space exploration, all those burner buildings are now ingredients in the next tiers up. So you can't build inserters without building the burner inserter as an ingredient for it. So they don't go to waste if you use them early on. You're going to need them again, but that adds to your assembly lines because now... To build an automation assembly building one that you're used to, right? You have to build the burner version to feed into it. But at least it doesn't go to waste. But it does complicate your recipes and all your mall prints go out the window because none of them work anymore. One nice addition with the space exploration mod is there's now tier two variants and tier three variants of buildings that we didn't get in the vanilla game, like chemical plants and smelters and electric mining drills. And there's now big mining drills and there's core mining drills which is a completely new concept where it's an unlimited miner but it dumps out a new um it's called like a core mining uh fragment i believe and you have to put the the fragment into a special building and it has a percentage chance to spit out iron ore copper ore stone coal um there's even a a red liquid called pyroflux i believe that you can use the pyroflux to power things with because it's basically you know heat heat a heated liquid um 
there are some new concepts, things you're not used to, and trying to. Now I'm trying to. The last thing I was developing was turning all these core fragments into ores. But how do you separate them, and how do you keep it balanced, right? And feeding into smelt uh, uh, smelter stacks without it backing up and stalling. That's been an interesting mechanic to deal with. And then uh, as I was talking about the different ingredients, right? Yeah, the lower tier ingredients. Well, there's some variants. So the small the small electric poles that you're used to, you can make it out out of wood, or you can make them out of iron now. But if you make them out of iron, it's now a secondary ingredient for the medium uh, power poles. So there's a lot of that with the game where it forces you to use a, a lower tier item as an ingredient in an upper tier item, and that includes small engines and multi-cylinder engines and. I love alternate recipes. That's one thing I think Satisfactory got right and a lot of other games didn't. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime you can accomplish the same thing, but you know, use another method to get there is definitely a, a big a big key to it. And then with the alternate items, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, is is the science packs. So where space exploration really takes the complexity to the next level is with the sciences. So the purple and yellow science are gone. And it's replaced with the new rocket science pack. It's like orange in color. And then space science is a whole new tier. So instead of just a space science pack, there's now 13 space science packs. And each one of those has tiers one through four. And each one of those has its own ingredient list. So it, so I think total, when I was talking to Kamal earlier, it was, I think there's 37 total science packs now between the you know, the base five and then the 33 or 32 rather um, space science packs. Right. Holy cow. And looking at the ingredient list and and the to create like a tier two one, you have to include tier one. But your research may require both tier one and tier two. So it's not like you could just over time feed your tier one into your twos and into your threes. Right. You still have to use the previous one. So you got to split them off into different and yeah it's just it's just crazy when you're looking at the how expansive the sciences get and i haven't even got into that point of the game um right on the verge of um i have the red green black and blue science unlocked right now so i'm right on the verge of unlocking the orange science the rocket science and it's just gonna really gonna take off from here did you <laughs> but it's definitely uh did you look through to see um what like how many different science packs each technology takes like are there ones that require more than five the logistics oh, yeah. of feeding them in seems pretty insane by itself yes yes there's uh one of them takes i think 13 Woo-wee. different science packs from what i saw yeah it's uh <laughs> now some of these some of the uh with the larger tier buildings right they have new labs so you're not stuck with that base blue science you know the blue you know geodesic dome looking one that you get they have they have bigger buildings that come along that that facilitate it so and they're and they're faster and more efficient than the previous buildings as well but just looking at it because they they introduced um there's different fluids in the game now and they go all the way from super cooled at negative 273 centigrade all the way to 5000 centigrade and there's different tiers in between, and you can use them to store energy, and you can use them to generate energy, and it's it's there's it's a whole new world, you know. It's it 
as I play it more and more and you start to chip away at the research tree and you add onto your base, you're, you're realizing, oh man, <laughs> whoever created this must have been a madman because yeah, it's, it's, it's just taking Factorio and turning it to E11, right? It's really cranked it up and, and I'm not even sure it's the hardest mod out there because, you know, Crestor, Crestorio is supposed to be pretty difficult too and uh, in terms of what it adds, but yeah. You know, it's a pretty expansive mod. It's crazy. And the and the worst part is is like the big mechanic of space exploration is you know being able to launch yourself into space, being able to build a you know build spaceships out there, travel, and then there you have like a local star system. Think of DSP. I have local star system, star cluster you're a part of, right? And each planet and that star cluster has a different amount of resources on it. Like some may not have iron on it, but it'll have a new element that I haven't even did discovered yet, right? Like there's, and you have to, you have to basically spread out and use the different planets to mine specific ores so you can create those higher level science packs. So you know, then they introduce like glass into it and stone tablets, um, like green green circuits. You don't make them out of copper and iron anymore. You have to put them on a stone tablet. So you need copper and stone tablet to do it now, and you know it's. And there's sand, and you have to do glass in order to make labs and different items that need glass, like solar panels, right? Makes a little more sense, and it's just expansive, and there's so much they added to it. And I'm 13 hours in, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take me. If I'm only at fourth, the fourth science, which is fairly easy to get to, and I have to get the 37 total sciences, and then build a spaceship to go warp speed, it's going to probably gonna take me a while i'm guessing 150 200 hours you should probably get to work factory must grow right <laughs> the factory must grow indeed but you know being able to use the space exploration mechanics that to, to uh ship items be between planets like there's cargo rockets in the games so you can ship items back and forth between your different bases or into your your uh into the spaceship in in actual space right there's new space assembling machines and space belts and all this that are magnetic right to keep the items on them and all this and just a lot of interesting um interesting mechanics that they added to the game to keep it fresh give an entirely new experience for it it it's really interesting and i'm really looking forward to continue playing yeah sounds like something we'll need to revisit when you're another 100 hours in absolutely but that's about my uh that's my first impression with space exploration. You know, if you're if you're a seasoned factorial player and you're looking forward to something new and fresh with it, maybe you know, building massive mega bases is getting old. Definitely try out space exploration. It's gonna add a new level of difficulty and expansiveness and replayability to the game that that may you know reinvigorate your excitement for the game. And definitely one I would highly recommend you checking out. So that was my overview on the space exploration mod. I don't know about you, but after that, I'm ready for another drink. So Dave, what do you got in your glass? So I stopped a little early. I couldn't handle so much of that dunkel. It was not my favorite. So I went with something that I knew I would love. The old classic Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas Ale. Oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, it's been out around here for a couple weeks now. It's an ale brewed with spices and honey. 
I'd say this year's batch is not as good as the last couple of years. I think the last couple of years were particularly good, but it, it's still quite solid. Yeah, I'm jealous. I need to I need to get my uh, family to send me out some, uh, especially some cans of that barrel aged one that you were previewing the other day. It's... Yeah, I'll probably have that on the next episode. Oh, there we go. No spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to spoil it. <laughs> and then I'm uh, in, digging into another 8-bit beer. This one's called Cryoshock. Obviously a play on the Bioshock name. But it's a cold IPA, which is kind of the fad right now, right? Everybody's doing a little cold IPA with cryo hops. And uh, yeah, this is uh, keeping in line with that. It's very, very hoppy in the... Uh, not in the bitter D department. That's a nice thing about the cryo hops. You don't get a lot of bitterness, but very potent on the on the hop flavors itself. So hmm. can't say I've uh heard of this phenomenon before, but it sounds awesome. And the bitterness is what usually turns me off the powerful IPAs. So I'll have to yeah, look look def- for something good. Yeah, you'll have to seek some of these out that they're doing this, but yeah, definitely enjoying this one. Um I mean we're we're pretty much fanboys of 8-Bit Ale Works out in Avondale. So all their special beers, all their releases we have. Just, you know, video game theme bar, not far from your house. Hard to hard to shy away from that. Yep. yep. What else have you been playing lately outside of space exploration? Oh, geez. That's a, that's a trick question because I've been playing Vanilla Factorio heavily. Been working on a... I never... You know, since getting the the new laptop, I never really got into revisiting uh, a big mega base for Factorio. And in previous playthroughs, when I'd hit about you know the twenty five hundred science per minute, it would tend to start dropping on the UPS. So you know, so I got you know got up the courage, did a rail world, kind of like a hybrid rail world, uh, death world. And started expanding out. I think I introduced this on the last podcast, actually. But I've been continuing and finally got to the point where I fired up the factory. And it's doing about 3,200 science per minute. But it's starting to drop the UPS. So before I turn it on, we're locked in at 6060. And after turning it on, it's you know about 57 and a half, 58 UPS. So I'm already starting to lose it. And I had a goal of doing 10,000 science per minute on this. And I don't think I'm going to get there, unfortunately. I was hoping, hoping the new processor would do better, but I think you know the lack of multi-threading with the game, as a lot of games that don't do multi-threading well, unfortunately isn't going to probably allow me to get to that 10,000 size per minute. But it's yeah. you know, the biggest so base hardware to do. Exactly, and the you know the framework of the game. There's limitations to it, and yep. And but processors you know. aren't really getting faster anymore yeah. at least that you buy normally they're just getting more more cores so right alas and yep until they can support you know spreading that workload across multiple cores uh you know i don't think i'm gonna get much further on this and you know the base is running at i want to say 16 gigawatts one one six gigawatts i mean it's a lot of power and um but yeah you know i had two two nuclear plants that i was planning on building and in addition to a huge solar farm and plenty of space to do, you know, 50 to 75 gigawatts because it's real world. And unfortunately, probably, probably not going to go much further on this playthrough. So what about you? What have you been playing? Uh, the big one I've been playing is DSP. I've been doing a fair bit of that. I have a few achievements that I'm shooting for. I started a new run with the latest update. 
I haven't actually really used personal logistics much, even though they added it to the game. Um, I've been working on getting the achievements for using no foundations, using no solar sails, and not gathering any rare ores. Figured I'd just do all three of those at once. And I'm I'm probably like 12 or 13 hours in and a couple hours away from finishing, I think. So, so I have a question for you. What's that? Um, I haven't played... So I played DSP when Personal Logistics first came out. And right off the bat, one of the things I hated was they limited the amount of personal logistics you can do to only like 20 different buildings and items. Have they, have they increased that, allow you to increase it? Is, you know, if there's any mods yet to increase that, because, you know, limiting it to that really, you know, hurts my ability to uh, set up the personal logistics properly. You mean that they limit what you can, like, what you can have logistics bring you, or they limit the number of slots you have? Limit the number of different buildings you can add. So you can, like I would do one of each type of sorter is depending on the mall I would set up, right? And then you do like the assembler buildings, you want chemical plants and particle colliders, right? They only let you add to the personal logistics bar that I could tell only like 16 or 20 items, right? So you can't, yeah. you can't get all the ones you would build a factory with at once. I mean, you can add to it as you get more research basically there's i think it starts out with one box next to your next to each line of inventory and at some point you get to two boxes and i think it's one of the researches gets you to three okay it might uh, be the th- i wonder if yeah, that's i haven't a explored it as much okay so I, we'll have an answer in a, a future episode as i continue to to play around okay. with this how about cool. that yeah sounds good but yeah i've been playing a lot of that um plan on finishing that in the next couple weeks and i've also played a little bit of uh mario plus rabbits on the switch um that they just came out with the sequel to mario plus rabbits uh and it's one of the best tactics games i've ever played the original so i'm looking forward to probably getting that one for christmas for myself but i wanted to get back and play a little bit more of the original just because it's such a good game and what kind of game is that it's a tactic sort of like XCOM style tactics. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but it's a it's a really tight game. It's uh, you know all your all your shots are either fifty percent, zero percent, or a hundred percent depending on cover. There's no like you know seventy three percent chance to hit based on your aim. It's all like everything is pretty deterministic, and there's a lot of movement is incredibly important. They're like movement based attacks. It's it's just a a very very well designed game. I would say it's it's probably the best tactics games I've ever, game I've ever played, and I've played all the XComs, including the originals. Yeah, it's, I say, it's so it's so not good. like XCOM. It's not like XCOM where you uh, have a ninety seven percent chance and you critically miss. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, always infuriating. But yeah, not, none of that garbage. If if you're if you're Firing a shot that's not 100%, you just expect it not to hit. You're trying to destroy cover. Yeah. And that and that one's on the, the uh, Switch? Yes, that is it? only on the Switch. Um, they just released number two. And I haven't actually really looked at reviews very much, but I'm assuming it's almost as good as the first one, and I need to play it. Very nice. I'll need to check it out. Another one to add to the wife's Switch. I'm a big fan of the, X, of the XCON games. One of the best uh, series, in my opinion. 
Yeah, there is that too. But you know, she's she's playing. Uh, what is it? Uh, the Dreamlight Disney Valley, game. The one? Yep, Dream. Yep, Dreamlight Valley. That's what she's playing right now. Yeah. So all of her free time's going to that game, and she loves it. Uh, says it D D destroys Animal Crossing. She likes it way better. So it's always a good thing. I've, I've avoided getting it into that. I'm sure my kids would love to watch me play it, but not not interested in another like choreless type game. I already play Stardew Valley <laughs> for that. Right. <laughs> That's how it works. Thank you for joining us tonight as we explored a couple new ways to play one of our favorite games, Factorio. If you have any suggestions for us, please let us know. You can email us at bottleneckshow at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter for as long as Twitter exists as at bottleneckshow. Or check us out on Twitch, The Bottleneck Show. You can also check out our website that we are still working on bringing up, bottleneckgaming.com. We'll see you next time. And as always, the factory must.